Hello and welcome to the Denoising Creativity Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm George and this is Jake. Hello. And this week we are talking about the quickest way to improve your photography or just ways to improve your photography in general. Yep. So that's pretty all encompassing, but um, I think we'll talk about techniques in terms of shooting, gear and probably editing because those are probably the three things that uh, actually determine how good you are. Subjectively, obviously. Yeah, it's all subjective. Obviously, none of this is our opinions based on very little experience, I'm sure. But, you know. To improve, you've got to have a standard of what's good, right? You have, yeah. And your standard of what's good is going to change depending on your experience. And what makes a good photo is different for one person. Therefore, your length of experience is going to be different from one person to another. Yeah, I I think... A whole thing in itself. Yes, that's a good point, actually. I'd, I'd say one important thing is determining what you consider to be good and uh, base that on how long you've actually been shooting for. And we're talking about purely just photography today, I'd say. We could probably dip into video a little bit here and there, but um, there's obviously endless, endless viral videos on YouTube about how to make your photos look good fast with presets and buying a lens and stuff like that. So hopefully we can denoise a few of those things today. Oh, I like that little, uh, that little, I had to drop the denoise in there. That was like pure cheese. I like it. It's good. Cheers. Yeah. So I think a good place to start maybe is with our opinion of, for you, Mm -hmm. what makes a good photo? Yeah. I'm asking you. I'm not asking the audience, they can't reply. We'll be waiting a while. <laughs> and we have no audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, optimism. Burn. What my perception of a good photo is would, would have changed over the last few years, um, certainly from when I started out to where I am now. But probably when I first started out, a good photo is one that, and I suppose this is still true, is one that when you scroll past it or see it somewhere is something that grabs your attention and speaks to you. So I'd say probably at the heart of it all, as cheesy as it is, you've probably got to have good story slash content. But and I would say that's what makes a successful photo, but not necessarily a good photo. I think good yeah. photo can be more technical than that. I think from all my years of research and Googling and YouTube and things and seeing different standpoints from different photographers, a good photo could be one that's just technically good, but it's bright, sharp, uh, appropriately framed and with good colors you know so so the focus on the technical side of things rather than purely based on the story equally some of the worst looking images that are blurry noisy old street photography are still good photos but they're technically not that good yeah on the face of it so discerning what those contributing factors are i think that's probably step number one but if you're an absolute beginner and you just bought your camera last week I would say focusing on getting good photos in terms of making them sharp, bright, aesthetically pleasing. And then the story comes when you learn how to read situations better and preempt situations and can engineer the story around, you know, when you when you know the camera inside out and the settings aren't the, the problem. Yeah, and when you start planning your photography as well and your trips and you go out to shoot yeah. at like 6am to catch a sunrise rather than just capturing a photo of... Uh, something in your back garden for instance yeah i mean you can you can go and take shots of your back garden or whatever and it's fine like i think we've all literally or everyone on the planet who's got a camera does it 
and that's a good way of learning all the the base skills. But they're, but they're just like they're just photos of of things. And I think it, we talked about James James Popsis before. Yep. And his one of his sort of mantras is take about taking pictures about things rather than of things. Yep. But that, and that could be a picture of the Eiffel Tower, not about the Eiffel Tower. You know. It about what it implies that there needs to be more story involved so maybe there's people in the foreground like kissing or something and that's instantly got a story on it if it's just a photo of the Eiffel Tower and a sunset that is literally what it is and it's more yep. in line with like stock imagery at that point or postcard <laughs> yeah I'd say equally though like a a good photo could just be you know it might not appeal to those some of those things like take the Eiffel Tower as, as an example Someone could take an amazing photo of the Eiffel Tower at nighttime just because they were in mm-hmm. France and, well, in Paris specifically, um, and take that photo at nighttime and it looks sick. Like they've edited it really well. But the only thing they did was take the picture of the Eiffel Tower. They didn't take mm-hmm. it with any story of mind. But because of the way they've graded it, you scroll past that and you think, wow, that's dope. Like, for instance, say, see a picture of the Eiffel Tower with two people kissing underneath it. It's technically well composed, right? Mm-hmm. But it's flat, relatively ungraded, versus a picture mm-hmm. of, say, just the Eiffel Tower at nighttime, but graded with someone like James Matthew or Alan Palander's presets, for instance, that kind of grade. You're going to go, yeah, yeah, that's a banger. I like that. And you're going to double tap it. Yeah. So I, I, you're right, actually. Yeah. Because like I said about the technical side of things, those can make things look good. And if you were doing something as part of a campaign or professionally or corporate or whatever, you wouldn't want those, you know, street photography style things that are blurry, noisy and direct flash in someone's face that captures some sort of shocked emotion on the street. You know, you wouldn't want those for a corporate project. Probably not. You'd want the ones that look all glossy, are perfectly framed, sharp and really well edited. And so those are still good photos, obviously. Um, So I think... The balancing act comes from knowing about probably correct or subjectively correct processing to put on something yeah. uh, versus the content and the story and also the purpose of the image. I think purpose is probably one of the most important things um, when it comes to it. Yeah, definitely. And I think the only way to kind of learn how to add that purpose is to just do it, just create just constantly like take photos of things and eventually you'll start finding yourself capturing those photos that are that are purposeful that are like either telling a story or they're capturing something incredibly technically accurate or you're capturing it because you know it's going to look good when you've graded it mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that will happen just from the sheer amount that you take i think that's how we all really got to where we got is that yeah, we all, like I said, start with a camera in our yeah. hands in a back garden sort of thing. And I mean, personally, what I <laughs> shoot mostly is nature because I'm surrounded by it and it's nice and it looks good and I can grade it how I want it most of the time. And that's come from being born where I am, where I am, where, living where I am. But also, I wouldn't have probably started doing that if I hadn't just gone and yeah, shot my definitely. flowers in my parents' back garden when I had a, my first camera sort of thing. But f- obviously from there, it's, it's developed to knowing that that's what I like to shoot, partly. Um, to honing the the basic skills enough to go and shoot something else somewhere else, and just just yeah, just experimenting. Yeah, and and similarly, like that's the way 
it like in my case, for instance, um, when I first really got into this, I didn't have a garden and I don't live somewhere where there are, you know, rolling hills and beautiful landscapes and stuff. For me, I, it came about mm-hmm. like photographing or I guess like documenting my hobbies. Yeah. Um, so stemming off the back of like doing YouTube stuff and the typical B-roll that you'd find with doing that on a photography channel that, you know, I'd find myself like photographing coffee, you know, photographing myself, my partner and the dogs. And that those kind of, those kind of things have become like my, my focuses for the things that I take photos of nowadays. Exactly. And, and you know, by doing that, you've had yeah, exactly. People approach you to take photos of their products through that stuff, just from purely photographing as a hobbyist, you know, and just well, as, uh, and for practice as well, you know. But all that, all that ultimately builds up experience, and I think that's what would be the thread through it all is experience, and that's what we've been saying about just going out to shoot wherever, whatever you fancy shooting that day. Yeah, um, I think experience is probably the most important thing, and so a photographer who's been doing it for 20 years day to day will probably nine times out of 10 nail the shot when they shoot it. You know, they'll shoot whatever they want and they'll, they'll nail it. Probably, probably not. Whereas someone who's been doing it for 20 days probably won't. <laughs> and there'll be a, a lower hit yeah, rate. Definitely. The, those, those 20 days are the, the, the people that have it on like continuous burst mode and end up coming home with like 300 photos rather than having it on, yeah. you know, single shot, manual focus, and just end up coming home with like five photos and they, all five of those photos being absolute bangers. Massive exaggeration, but do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was watching some videos today and uh, we talked about it before, obviously James Pops just mentioned, but also Thomas Heaton. Those two people both shoot landscape stuff yep. in, and they both output incredible images and... They both have a very different way of yeah. shooting and, you know, different kit as well is another thing. Um, so Thomas Heaton will seems to go for, unless it's like a trip in some amazing place like the Alps or something where he'll take a lot of photos, um, he might go to the Peak District and take one photo a day. Yeah. But that photo will be a banger. And it'll also have taken him five seconds to get there because they don't live very far away from it. Well, yeah, but there's like the four hour hike at four AM to get to that mountain, you know. Uh, yeah, that's true. There that's is another the factor. Four AM. My point is like he's so experienced that he well, and it's a personal preference for him that he doesn't want to trawl through two thousand photos from a weekend to to find the ones that he knows he likes. And he's obviously experienced enough to set them up and knows his settings and his camera and his kit so well that he can get whatever shot he wants when he's there. Whereas on the flip side, James Popsist, who, you know, is equally experienced and shoots on yep. different kit and he's a bit more not running gun, but you know what I mean? Like his way of shooting is he'll shoot mainly in burst, it seems. And if there's a bloke walking between some trees, he'll burst yeah. fire to get that frame so he knows he's got it. But that, I mean, that's a different style of landscape photography as well. But they're equally valid. It's just it's just your workflow in terms of Reddit. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of the edit, I would say that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks for a lot of people. And I've joined all of the groups on Facebook of like photographers in my local area and all this stuff, you know, like 
Well, I, I just endlessly see photos where, you know, Clarity's at 80% and D Hayes is like to the max and it's all like super vibrant, super saturated. And there's all these people saying, what does everyone think of this? And I'm kind of like, I mean, this is my opinion, but I'm like, that looks shocking. <laughs> looks like it was shot on like a, on a Galaxy Note 8. You know how like Samsungs have good, they take good photos in terms of capturing what's there, but they're, they've got that digital sharpening on them because it's obviously a tiny But sensor. not only that, they're like, That's what I did when I first started out. Um, And I I look back at like some of my photos on my grid and I'm like, oh, that's, that's a crime. Shocking. That is a crime. Why did I do that? And now I'll go back to those photos. I'll find the pictures in Lightroom and I'll be like, okay, well actually let's, let's retweet that. Let's make that current. Now I'm like, oh, that's a good photo now. (laughs) That was pretty much my day to day in lockdown was re-editing old shit (laughs) off, you know, shot before. But when I'm on these, these groups, I never... You're not going to, you don't comment to put someone down, obviously. Oh, no. But not unless it's what's nice to see. What's nice to see is all the comments, yeah, the instructive criticism and support they get. Because a lot of the time they, they are beginners, whatever. And sometimes they're not beginners and professionals do those things as well. And some to some people, those things look good. They don't to me, personally. Nope. Yeah. It, your editing, I think, is probably one of the most standout things that will make something look amateurish, even if the shot originally um, taken wasn't a bad photo, you know? Yeah, because, you know, you can take things too far or you can take things not far enough. You can. Like, there are good things to do in in editing and there are bad things to do. And again, it all knowing what to do obviously all comes with experience, but the only way to really get that experience is to just, Mm -hmm. just try, just keep on trying new things, trying new styles and pushing yourself, like, out of your comfort zone as well. You know, you, you might be, say, a landscape photographer. You might like enjoy taking landscapes. Something to push you out of your comfort zone and, may, and most likely improve on what you're currently doing is to, say, take photos of, you know, products. Do product mm-hmm. photography in a stu- like a studio-type setting, whether that's in your bedroom or hire, hiring some uh, place to do it. You know, you're going to learn a different way of taking photos. You're going to be using different focal lengths. You're going to be you know, editing different, using different apertures, everything's going to be different. You're going to learn your gear so much better. You're going to learn the editing process so much better. And also, you might like some of the things that you then push yourself into photographing and then yeah, exactly. slightly shift your priority. Yeah, I mean, like I said, started out shooting flowers in my back garden, shot a couple of gigs because I like going to gigs. thought, yeah, great, goes hand in hand. Now it turns out I really like music photography and I've got work doing that as well, you know, paid work. So it's, yeah, it is all about experimentation and and experience. So let's talk about what actual practical things you can do, physical techniques you can employ to make your photos better. And I think we should come up with five, five top tips to make your photo better. I think we should do that. Let's do five. You do one, I'll do one. You do one, I'll do one. Oh, because you don't want me to. You don't want me to steal them. No, so I just I, know how much editing this takes. Fair enough. Okay, so my first tip would be constantly just shoot. Mm-hmm. Just constantly take photos. Take as many. Obviously, within reason, take as many photos as you can. Take them. Yeah, like yeah. just every opportunity you can to photograph what you want to photograph. Photograph it because it's the only way you are going to learn 
things like your settings and your editing. Yeah, get off your ass, go and shoot. That if you're thinking I might go shoot something today, don't don't not do it. Something re- like something that rings quite true is something I heard uh, Ren from the Corridor Crew talk mm-hmm. about when talking about visual effects, and that's you can definitely learn the theory behind things. Someone can teach you the theory behind things, right? So you can sit and you can watch a YouTube video about composition, like learning how to take photos, right? But no one's going to teach you the yeah. technical side of things. That's something you've got to go out and teach yourself. Because you don't know how to do them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you can learn the theory of how to do things. Um, but in terms of learning the technical side of things, you've got to go and do that. You've got to take the theory and you've got to apply that into real life. You've got to, to, you've got to, to embed learn. it into your muscle memory. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be my my first tip. There's your number one. My, my tip, my number two, I would say... Uh, and this is something I've only really started doing like six months ago, I'd probably say, mm-hmm. is, and this is this might, I don't know about other software, but I use Lightroom. Um, I'm sure other, other software does do the same thing. Uh, but it's using reference photos. Uh-huh. And this has got a bit of a caveat in that they're only really useful if you already know what style you want to aim for, I'd say. So if you're cultivating your Instagram feed, because you found a style you like, which is another topic, because that's um, that's difficult. Yeah. yeah. Um, if if you found that style, or even like just trying to trying to find that style, then using some of the photos you've already taken and edited into that style as a reference photo, it makes it so much easier to get your new shots in line with that. One thing I've always struggled with is you'll see all these feeds that have got like one color or a couple of colors all the way through, like for the last two years of their their lives, and through experience, you'll be shooting loads of different things and you'll think, oh, all these things are different colours. How do I make them all the same colour or, like, close? And some some pages I've seen are, like, some people just be, like, shooting at the beach forever and it's the same colour palette that they can shift around and they know how to do it really well. But there's the accounts like, dare I say it? Go on. Peter McKinnon. Alan Palander. Alan Palander. Oh yeah, Chris Howe and all that. The the moody vibes, geniuses. the moody vibes crew, basically. Um, but all all those are so well curated, and that all every single photo is like different from the last. All right, yeah, it's like massive, uh, beautiful vistas up in Canada and stuff, and that helps. But then there'll be like a photo of a car, and yeah. then it'll be a watch, and then it'll be the seaside shoes, and it'll look the same. Then it'll be the beach, and it'll be like a bird, and it all has a theme, and that's I think. That's one one good way to make yourself look really professional really quick is if you can get on that. Yep. Um, so, and I think reference photos are the way to do that. And obviously, there are other things that go with it as well, but that's down to experimentation. So that's my number two. Okay. So my next tip follows on quite well, actually, from what you were saying about like taking reference photos. Don't mm-hmm. get too disheartened when you're looking for these reference photos and you're looking at these photos of other people to find your style. Because chances are they've been doing it for either a lot longer than you or they might be in a different, you know, life situation, financial situation that they're able to afford better gear. Definitely never get disheartened by that because you can do so much with even like some of the cheapest cameras nowadays. You can do so much with a phone camera nowadays, right? So just don't be disheartened when you're scrolling down Instagram, when you're scrolling down Twitter, just looking at these images Basing your style, figuring out where to go, what you could try next. Just don't get disheartened by it. Just remember that it all comes with time. It all comes with practice. Just go out there, 
try and take the photo, figure out why it's not working and learn from it and do it again. And I'd second that, obviously. But also, I think one of the best things to do that goes with that, and that's when you're looking at other people's photos and trying to figure out how they're so brilliant, is when, when people sell presets and stuff. And I think I think it's good, because obviously it's a good revenue stream for photographers. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing to do with them is not just slap them all over your own photos, because then arguably they're not really yours anymore, is rip apart those presets and actually check how they made them. And I've done that um, certainly over lockdown. That's what I spent like loads of my time editing doing. Um, because all those styles that you think you can buy in a box probably won't just work on your photo. There's a very slim chance it will work. So you need to know the, yep. the skills that when you whack on that preset but it suddenly goes to like nearly pitch black, you've got to know why it's doing that. I think that's really important. Because, that's happened to me so many times. Yeah, it happens every time you put your own presets on things, I'm sure. Um, they're not yep. they're not just a one size fits all. They're um, they're a guide if anything. So I think yeah, on, on the back of like using other people's stuff as um, inspiration, use their style as imp- inspiration, but don't copy it or use it. If you know, pay for it and you use it for your own. Rip it to bits, I think, and then you'll you'll discover the, the little techniques here and there and the little color shifts that you actually really like, and you'll see how those behave on other photos you take in your style of things you like to shoot. And a quick like technical way of doing that is stick the stick someone's preset on it, right? And then try and get to that, set that as a reference photo, yeah. create a virtual copy in Lightroom and try and get to that without looking at the settings. And if you get really stuck, then have a look and then, you know, go from there. But that specifically is something that really helped me learn how to get specific styles, you know, by looking at certain people's presets, going through the, my settings on another photo without looking and figuring out how to get there. It teaches you so much so quickly. Yeah. So was that your tip four? <clears throat> no, it wasn't. It was, that was that was three point five. Oh, you get three point five. We get three point five out of Jake, everyone. Yeah, yeah, which is tip number four for me. I would say is, and this is something that's come from Thomas Heaton and Jared Polin, um, sort of amalgamation of different creators is, and this can apply to when you're shooting for like corporate things or stock images, things that a technical, a useful technique that can actually, you can do really quickly and easily that will actually just completely improve the professionalism of your shot. And it also works in video as well, is making sure you check the edges of your frame. Oh yeah, the edge, the old edge peep. Yeah, edge patrol is yeah, it's caused loads of different things. But I was doing it. One way I've discovered this to be imperative is when I'm doing like woodland scenes and stuff, because when you're shooting some trees or a bird in a tree or something, you've got branches and leaves and all sorts just sticking in the edge of your frame, flowers and petals and stuff that you don't want necessarily. That when you come to look at it or someone comes to look at it, it can be extremely distracting and your eyes just jumps to it rather than the subject. I did it, I had a photo of a robin the other day. On the face of it, probably wouldn't really think there was much wrong with the edge of the frame, but when I sort of looked back at it, I was constantly distracted by sticks and stuff sticking in the edge. And when I took them out in Photoshop, and this isn't cheating, this is just like making the image look how you expect it to look on the day. Because you were, when you were there, you weren't. I wasn't just looking at the twig sticking in the edge of my frame, I was looking at the robin trying to make sure I get the, the shot. So there's nothing wrong with taking these things yeah. out. And off the back of that, I think this was Thomas Heaton, I've heard this from, is when you've got your frame, and this works mainly on 
if you're on sticks on tripods or when you're editing as well is when you're looking at your shot if you squint your eyes you'll see the bright and dark areas and this helps you balance the image in terms of um, composition but in ter- also in terms of color and tone as well and that's that's like literally a technique that you can just do every time you take a photo that actually does really help and it sounds it sounds really stupid and you'll look like an idiot just squinting at your shot but honestly that and checking the edges of my frame have probably improved my photography a hundred percent so that's my number four it's interesting what you say about um you look like a, you look like an idiot when you're doing it um because i think that's quite another important thing is if you look at pro photographers right is this tip number five actually doing their job yes this is tip is this number 4. five, five. This is, honestly this is this is, a, this is a complete accidental segue. Tip number five. If you look at professional photographers, right, out in the mm-hmm. day, doing their job, or videographers, right, doesn't have to be photographers, videographers, they will likely not give a crap yeah. about what they look like whilst they're taking their photo because it's the photo that matters. And I appreciate this is really difficult to get to grips with at first. It was really hard for me. Don't worry what you look about look like when you're taking a photo. You had a bit of a uh, Don't worry an easier like way into that because you, you started vlogging and you do look like an idiot when you do that. And you literally yeah, you do shouting um, in the middle of the street. When I started vlogging, yeah, oh yeah, when I started vlogging, I wouldn't be comfortable with talking to a camera in public. Oh, I, I wouldn't in, do it. I'll be honest, personally. like in it, where where I live in the UK, very difficult thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. No one does it. I imagine it's probably the same with you. I mean, the amount of vlogs I watch that I see, I never see anyone recording one. Not even in like central yeah. London or yeah. central Birmingham. I, I don't see it. We've, and there's millions. We've been to we've been to London. We've been to Birmingham, and you know, you walk around. I've never seen anyone else filming a vlog. I've never no. Yeah, I watch seen them daily. anyone else filming a vlog, and I know that there are plenty of people in the UK that do YouTube. Right? Yeah. Whether big, small, whatever, people are doing it. Whether it's for Instagram or it's YouTube, people are doing it. I've never seen anyone Film proper something. vlog. Yeah, when we went to Birmingham that one time. I was determined to overcome my fear of vlogging in public and just not give and a this shit. Probably the first place that I properly did it. Yeah, and we were walking, and there's a clip in the vlog of this guy. As we walk past, you're next to me, yeah, and we walk past, that. and you just see him in the background, just like turn around and like, because uh-huh. it's weird. You look like a it's proper weird. weirdo. Like who, is, who's this geezer filming himself? And this wasn't about video, yeah, really, but it does apply. And I think it's a very good point, actually. It's a nice, nice number five to have because, especially when you're on your own, I think that's really tough because you, a lot of the time, can have like even less confidence yeah. being on your own. And oh yeah, for you sure. can also feel pretty weird. Like if if you're crouching in the bushes in the woods trying to get a nice photo of some leaves <laughs> in, with your macro lens yep. on, and there's like a nice family of four walking their dog, and you're crouching in the bushes with your, with your camera and your long lens on or something, you look like a proper weirdo. But yeah, you do. But at the, I at, mean, the, at the end of the day, you're not doing anything wrong. It's public land, you know. It's, oh. You're in the forest. And they probably think, oh, it's just a photographer. And if they actually had a problem yeah, with you, they'd come, you they'd come and ask you. But you think it's worse than it is. Yeah, of course you do, because you're, you're self-aware. 
But if they had an actual problem with you, they'd come up and go, what are you taking photos of, mate? And you go, oh, this 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 slug on the floor here, mate. Not not you and your family. The slug? I don't know. Can't it's a thing to be taking a photo of. It means better know. than flowers. But... Um, but... Yeah, it's like that time we were in... Um, we, we, we were near where you live and we mm-hmm. were on the edge of that cliff and we were taking photos and there was like people sitting on the ground behind us having picnics and stuff. And I just felt so awkward. I'm like, just, granted, I'm just, I hadn't been out to take a photo for months because of COVID-19. But yeah, I'm, If anything, that's made me just think, I want to get out and shoot so bad, I really don't care if I'm in the way of your picnic. Obviously, yeah. within Yeah, reason, me too. But if you're, in, if you're in a public place where you, the whole point of going in there is to see the view and take photos of the view that everyone's going to do, don't feel yeah. bad about standing in the way of someone's photo. They'll do it to you in 30 seconds' time. Exactly. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a very good, very valid point. Is don't care how you look. And it's really hard to not care how you look because we're all uh, self-conscious and um, selfish. So we, we all uh, worry about those things. So fair play, good point. Nice five. So to recap. That's one of my. That's a good one. That's probably the best one on the list, actually. That's uh, that's that's one of my tips for my video on Tuesday. Oh, there you reason, go. Uh, I had it in my head. So number one, number one, constantly shoot. Couldn't agree more. Get out there, just shoot whatever. Number two, when you've shot those photos, use reference photos to engineer them into the style you like or copied from someone, maybe, off the back of that. Don't get disheartened when those photos inevitably don't look like someone else's because those photos you've taken are gradually working towards becoming your style. And if you like the way Mm -hmm. they look, there's nothing wrong with that. Number four, check the edge of your frame and it, and do the squint test because it will it will save a lot of your photos and there'll be like some geezer in the back of your shot looking at the, right, right of the lens and you haven't checked for it. And number five, don't worry how you look. I think those are good. I think we've done a good list there. I think those are good. Is that clickbait enough? I think that's a... I think so. I think that's probably clickbait enough. I think people will... Uh... Yeah, I think there's enough there to help any kind of beginner photographer. Like, I'll even let you turn this into on a, with a few things. I'll let you turn this into your next YouTube video if you want. There we go. I've written your next one for you. Oh, you bastard! You know I wrote that like two weeks ago, right? And there are different points. Probably. Well, have you already made this video? I've already written the script for it. Hold on. Oh, there you go. These ones will be better than your points, mate. Okay, so I think there's probably a good place to wrap it up. Um, we talked about, you know, our five top tips and other ways to improve your photography, whether you're a beginner or intermediate. Um, by all means, this is not an exhaustive list of things that you should do. There are plenty of things of that you can do. But, you know, like we said, one of the main things that w- was overarching throughout the entire thing is just to constantly practice. It's like anything, just constantly practice. But, I mean, with that said... I think that's probably it from us. Feel free to check us out on Instagram and all that stuff. I am at Jake Healy Photo and George is George underscore Demner. Links in the show notes because you will not be able to spell my last name, I guarantee you. Or probably mine because it's got too many E's in it. And there will also be a Denoising Creativity Instagram. Oh, don't talk over me. There'll also be a Denoising Creativity Instagram as well to follow, which we'll link to. So, yeah. And who knows? We might start putting video stuff on the on the 
on the Instagram. Oh, God, we ain't talked about that. You we never know. That. Okay, thanks for listening. 